You're listening to the Athletic Motion Golf Podcast. I'm Mike Renato, and I'm here with my good buddy and co-founder in AMG, Sean Webb. We have one goal with this podcast, to help you improve your game. We're going to do that by showing you what the best players in the world do, and then show you how to incorporate those same moves into your own swing. And we're going to do it all in 15 minutes or less. Today's episode is brought to you by Live View Golf. We use the Live View Pro every day in lessons because it gives our golfers the necessary feedback for improvement. The Live View Pro is like having a swing studio in your pocket. It's a tool we recommend to anyone serious about improving their swing. Check it out at liveviewsports.com backslash AMG to get $40 off at checkout. One of the funnest parts about our golf schools, for us, right, the teachers, is when we get the guys and girls out on the course, and we'll typically do that one or two times depending on, you know, what, what their preferences is during the school, we want to see how they're moving on the golf course because it's always a little bit different. A hundred percent. Then we always want to see how they're moving around the golf course, meaning what are some of the decisions they make, where do they line up, you know, how do they try to execute different strategies for different shots. And it's always cool to see how folks try to play the game, right? Because, I mean, ultimately, unless you're just a swing junkie and just constantly just want to hit swings, make swings, record swings inside, that's what it all boils down to anyway, how you move around the golf course. The golf swing is just a tool to help you do that better, hopefully. It's one of the tools in the, in the arsenal of scoring. But a great swing does not mean you're going to score great or be a great golfer. And that's where people miss the boat. I remember teaching in Shreveport for a lot of years with Chase Leone, my assistant pro. I mean, kid is an unbelievable golf teacher. And uh, – and a great player, like mm-hmm. and, and really good player. I would take. I, I was doing just. I was so busy teaching that I was basically a swing teacher, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that was my specialty. Right. And I would have Chase go play with the juniors, and he'd come back and like, yeah, so and so's got a good swing, but he has no idea how to play golf. Like he's like, if I had that swing, I would shoot sixty five. He shot eighty two, yeah. like that kind of thing. And, and that's what we're talking about, right? There, there are swing skills, and there's sp- technical skills, and then there are playing skills. Scoring skills. And, and the two are not the same. Yeah, they just, like, they would just make crazy decisions. And this is not about, you know, that. Now part of that's just being young. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And just not having a totally formed brain like we all had when we were that age. And, and just not but we understanding. See it, but we don't have young people at our schools. We right. see adults making similarly poor choices. So let's go down that road. So, you know, we get to the, we get to the T and. You know, we've already watched these guys hit balls. We know their tendencies. So, so let's say, for example, you know, we've got a guy that knows we, he hits it left to right. So, first of all, you're not going to fix it on the course. So, if you're on the range warming up and you're hitting, you 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 have a a little bit of a slice off the tee. Let's say, if you're going to try to play your best round that day, hey, yeah, you can do some stuff that you know will minimize it, but you've got to kind of play that left to right shot. And to me, that means choosing the correct side of the tee box to put the tee down on. You're giving yourself an advantage, and they hardly, most of them just tee up right in the middle of the tee box with no thought process of the direction the hole goes in, or if, if they tee off on the left side of the tee box, that opens up the rest of the fairway for them. So to me, or they, or we just had one guy hitting a three-wood off the tee, teeing it up like a driver. Mm. And what's he do? He pops it up the first drive. It's those kind of little things before you even get off the first tee box that, can hurt you. Well, we also see um, I've, I've, 
it was a book I read a long time ago. So I want to say it was maybe Faldo's book. I don't remember exactly, but it was, you have to play with the swing you brought to the golf course. Right. So like to, to your example, so the guy's he's coming to the school and he wants to get rid of his slice. And let's say instead of a, a 50 yard slice, it's down to a 25 yard slice. Right. Which is a pretty big deal. So we step on the first tee and he knows he wants to start hitting draws. So he's going to, he's going to try his best. Like you got a 25 yard slice. That's what you got to play. You can't set up for draws. You can't, you know what I'm saying? hundred. If you're it, in for score and really day. fighting to hit that draw who he maybe did one out of 10 on the, on the range, which is always going to be a better swing than on the golf course, especially when you're making a swing change. So it's, but we all do this, take the golf school out of it. We all do this when we go to the golf course. You play draws. I like to play fades. Last time we went and played, I was hitting draws on the range. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the first hole we have is a draw, right? And I tried to hit a fade. Guess what I did? Exactly. <laughs> Lined up left and drew it. <laughs> and I'm like hitting myself in the back of the head going, you know, dummy, what are you doing? Yeah. You know, exactly. It's like fighting your swing rather than trying to score with the swing you have that day. Yeah, and it's not always – what did what was David telling us that one time? We we did work, – I worked for David Toms for a lot of years, but we did a video series with him. I think I think he said he only had his – really knew where he, the ball was going, like maybe one round out of the four on his wins. Well, I asked him, I said, of, of all your wins, when he had 14 wins. Yeah, I mean, incredible. I said, how many of those rounds in all of those wins – so what's 14 times 4? You do the math. <laughs> 14 times 10 is 140. Okay. And then it, what, another? A lot of rounds. Yeah. I said, how many of those rounds in your wins, obviously you're playing good, did you have like your your best swing? He, he thought about it for longer than I thought he would and said 20%. Wow. So that means 80% of his wins was him managing. Not hitting it that great. Not hitting it that that great which for him is pretty good it's all relative but, but it's all relative on that level to try to win on that level it's very difficult yeah and he knew like how to score and get it in you know even par maybe one under the days when he was clanking it a little bit i thought to that point i thought what he said to that was he goes i know no matter what shape i have going into the to the day that there's going to be roughly six pins on the left six pins on the right kind of six pins somewhere in the middle so if I'm fading everything and I'm feeling good, that's 12 pins that I got a pretty good shot at getting to. The other six, I just make sure I have a good good putt. Maybe I'll make one. Maybe I'm going to walk off with par every time. He said, when I played bad is when I thought I had 18 pins that I could get to. Oh, wow. So it's like we don't – just because a pin is on the green doesn't have mean we have a right to get it close to that pin or should be trying yeah. to hit it close to that pin, especially – the farther out we are. Yeah. And it's, this is one of the, probably one of the better management players ever, ever, ever it has to be just who got more out of their game, you know? Oh, yeah. It has to be top, top five, 10 for sure. H- has to be. Um, and you know, to stay on this note, you know, watching these golf schools, one of the things I think probably are maybe our number one pet peeve. <laughs> I think I know re- what you're going to say. The recovery shots. Yeah. <laughs> the recovery shots, you know, we just don't, they're not, you know, it's like, oh, we got to practice those, but nobody wants to practice their punch-out game, right? You just don't. It's funny. I, I, this was Faldo who said this. It was on a – remember the old golf channel uh, playing lessons from the pros? Oh, yeah, it was good. And he said if he had to do it all over again, 
in his career, in his practice rounds, he would hit way fewer balls and he would go drop them in the places he never thought he would be and play from there. He said, you know, he does like everybody else. You get ego involved, you try to hit the fairway on every shot, and you drop balls from the fairway. It's not really. He said, I would go to this side hill, lie out of the rough and play it. Because he goes, those are the shots that always cost me strokes during the tournament. Yeah, especially if you haven't hit them for a while. Right. You know, and a lot of the guys that we work with, they, you know, you probably don't have a chance. I, I, I was lucky growing up. You know, we grew up at a course where, you know, dad could drop us off in the morning. He would come pick us up at seven at night if we wanted and they'd let us hang out all day as kids and there was no driving range and there would be times when it was slow and we would be out there as kids there's probably four of us that played together almost every day you know we would drop balls in the woods and have contests who could curve balls around trees and get it close to the green we were always always doing stuff and even to this day I, I can hit you know pretty good recovery shots like I'm I can curve it up there where I want to right left high low and it's because of all that but the average guy he only gets to practice normally on a flat surface, perfect driving range. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's That's hurry, great for doing swing work. Right. But not for really scoring. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, it's good for the driver because, you know, you're practicing basically that's all you get, right, with the driver, flat, perfect surface, mm-hmm. even on the T-bus. But learning how to play the game, it's tough to get experience, especially as a fairly new golfer. That learning curve is steep. If Like – what I'll do with people, you know, especially, you know, if there's time and there's not someone pushing on us in the golf, you know, in the golf school, if we have some time and on a hole, I'll, I'll have them, let's say they have a side hill, ball below their feet, out of the rough, maybe awkward stance, awkward shot. I'll, I'll, they'll get in there. I was like, all right, hold on. Let, let me, let me get in there. And I do this all the time. Let me get in there and stand where I would stand to hit this shot where I would have my feet, where I would have the ball, how I would position my, you know, squatted down with my knees. And then I'll have them come around and get in my footprints. You've probably seen me do it. I've done it. Yeah, you can do it in the rough, so you can yeah. see. You can do it. In, we do it in the bunker, fairway bunkers all the time. All the time. They'll get in my footprints and, like, what is this? <laughs> Lock them up. Like, what? Well, I don't even know what you're doing here. I was like, well, to be honest with you, this is the only way that you can get the club on the ball from – from this lie and I take it for granted because I played a lot of golf growing up like like I said we had no driving range we would just play around the clock so and it's a hilly course so I learned pretty soon man you need to make some adjustments if you're trying to hit this shot versus the uphill below your feet Mm -hmm. versus the downhill in the rough hanging lie over a tree around this tree yeah just reading the lie I had yeah reading the lie there's it's very um, difficult for someone to learn that. So I feel like during the schools, I'll get in there and, hey, but your feet have got to be here or you have zero chance of even making contact. And it kind of blows their mind at first, but I think they start to catch on. Yeah, that's one of our, uh, definitely one of the things that we see that we shouldn't stop being, or we shouldn't stop being amazed by it, but we're continually amazed. Like this Last uh, school before last, you know, guy had it was a little short dog leg, and he hit a, hit the fairway, bounced left. He had a a tree between him. He was like you know eighty five yards out and had a tree. He had and to go overhang. under, yeah, overhanging tree. And he had to go under, and he's like, well, my normal distance here would be a sand wedge, so I'm going to take pitching wedge and punch it under this tree. And as you would imagine, it hit the tree. It's like a. a punch out or a punch under we'll call it 
I mean, he should have, you know, chipped like a six iron or a seven iron, something that would have easily cleared a tree. One club less loft or two clubs left loft is not going to get it done for most golfers. They hardly ever take low enough loft. Yeah. Like if there's one thing out of the out of the trees or out of a bad, like you got an overhanging trees in the trees, hardly anybody grabs a low enough loft. Like grab your four iron and freaking punch it out with a putting stroke. But do not hit the trees. The only way to ruin that shot is to hit that tree. And it's like they bite off a little more than they can chew. Mm-hmm. They want to hit a regular shot so yep. desperately. It's like you need to learn. I mean, and, and you can you can do this on the range. I mean, and don't do it all the time. But, you know, practice maybe at the end of it. Maybe you've worked on your technique and you, you know you need to get the club in a certain spot, whatever. But take a little time here and there and hit some crazy shots. Hit some big curves with a seven iron. Punch it low. See if you can hit it high, right? Hit, see if you can hit a big, massive hooking shot on demand you, you know if you want to be a complete golfer you really do need to be able to to see a window pick the right club like guess like i'm gonna imagine there's a tree here what club do i need to make sure i don't hit the tree and i get it high enough to get it out of the rough this all skills that really does take some practice and hard to learn it's tough you know golf is one of those sports that's it can kick you when you're down, right? So if you hit a bad shot, if you slice one into the trees, guess what you have to hit to get out of the trees? A slice. You usually have to hit the same shot that got you in trouble out of the trouble, and it can beat you up that way. So you've got to be able to, like you said, you've got to be able to hit a low low slice. Very difficult shot to do if you don't practice it. It is because you're going to want to f- lay the face <laughs> right. too high. If you And you know for a fact, if I forget, I think, I forget whose book was you can't pull the shot off eight, nine times out of ten. Spells is uh, yeah, damage damage control. control. It's like just hit the shot. You know you can pull off eight, nine times out of ten. Mm-hmm. Start know? with that. Start start with that. An honest opinion. When you stand there, can you hit a thirty yard punch slice? You know, thirty yard slice that runs up by the green. That's one hundred fifty yards away. Probably a lot of people cannot hit that shot. No. Tiger can hit it. Phil can hit it. You know, some good players that can hit it have been playing a long time. If you can't do that, the best you can do that day is just take your medicine and chip it out into the fairway. That damage control book is actually pretty good. I don't know if any of you have read it. We don't get paid to promote that book. No, it's very it, – it's it was the precursor to all of the more popular stroke-type yeah, stroke money gained. ball, strokes yeah. gained, all that today. <laughs> uh, but it was from more of a, a playing strategy standpoint. Which is good. Because there wasn't shot link, I don't think, when he did that. that Could be book, wrong, but I don't think there was shot link data when he did that. And he, he was so ahead of his time on a lot of stuff, and we could argue about his information or whatever, but he was ahead of his time on like that kind of stuff. The analytics and data was, driving like, his information. Hey, you need, a, you need a, a shot. I think he had a few things in there like you need a shot. You know you can get in play when you have to. Mm-hmm. right? Maybe it's like a three-wood punch. You're coming down 18 in your club championship. And, He's coming off the rails. What shot do you have that you can get it out there? What is it? What did the guy at the academy say? You need a nervous swing. You need a nervous swing. You need a nervous shot that you yep. know when, this, when you're nervous, you can get the thing out there. You got to be able to punch the ball, you know, keep it under trees mm-hmm. or whatever it is. You know, part of it, the whole thing too with playing is, you know, the speed can, why well, would jump into this, but I am the lag putting is another skill that I don't think people practice quite enough. You just don't see re- – we've only seen really good speed a few times in our golf schools. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
it stands out when they do because like they're never really out of the hole as long as they don't make yeah because it crazy. They're, when they play with us they're playing with a brand new course they've never seen before that's when it exposes poor speed control at their home course they know this putt's going to do this and that but when you play a new course Boom, it's exposed. Yeah, like a misread plus a speed problem. Right. <laughs> right. Wrong side to break, and you hit it too hard. Now this thing is farther away than when you started. Yep. Um, that would be one of them. I, I wrote a couple things down here. I think another thing that hurts players, and this is more of a mental type golf psychology, it's like, A, your expectation levels. You see a lot of super high expectation levels. Like even in the schools, there's usually a guy that's a pretty good player, and he wants to shoot five under during the – you know, he's been working on stuff and all of a sudden, so instead of, you know, some rounds, you're just out there kind of testing out your golf swing. Right. And that's kind of, especially what we, in the school set. That's what we use the school for. But if your expectation is to go out there and hit every shot on the button and when you don't, you get angry. All that does is make the next swing worse because the anger and the emotion that, that stirs up got more tension than normal. Your rhythm gets off. You know, you hear people getting quick. I would say a lot of times the anger and the tension and, and the adrenaline levels getting up. You know, obviously your rhythms and t- timing's going to suffer. So you, you're not doing yourself any favors as a 20 handicap. You know, getting irate with yourself. You know, or even a, even a scratch player. You know, hitting a nine iron to 30 feet. That that's a big one too. Like, bro, that wasn't a bad shot. Yeah, that, you're, you're not you're not a flag hunter. I pulled that. Oh. What do you think? One time, you know, I think we were out there a couple weeks ago, and it was like a 200 yard shot, and the guy missed the green, but it was like, he was like 30 feet away, but yeah. he's mad he missed the green. I was like, you, this was like a inside the tour average from from the pin. Yeah, I'm not saying you're gonna, you know, be on have to be on the green for that to matter in your head. I know you missed the green, but you have to recognize that you hit a good shot. So, the mindset of someone who's mad about that. So we and sometimes you just got to change your expectation levels. Like, hey. Instead of walking up to that shot being mad, and, and I've changed my whole mind about this, instead of walking to that shot being mad at Mr. Green, I'm happy now because I hit that ball inside the, the tour the average. average. We did uh, our last school, in fact. We had the guy who understood all that, and he's, he said, this has totally changed my golf game. He was a good player, but adopting that mindset, adopting the strokes game, and, and understanding what is an acceptable result from X distance – he was he shot the by far the lowest round he hit an eagle and a birdie in the first nine holes. In he eagled eye. the first hole. Well, yeah. Well, your outlook is so different. Yeah. You don't. You're not out there trying to hit perfect shots. You're right. hitting playable shots, and you're, you're you, shooting a shotgun. Yeah. And, yeah. You're shooting a spread pattern. Nobody else. N- nobody shoots a, a, a sniper rifle when they play golf. Everyone's got a shot pattern. Mm-hmm. And as long as you kind of keep yourself in that pattern, you're not hitting many foul balls way outside your pattern. If you can take that mindset. Your expectation levels are managed, which helps your anxiety and your tension level and your anger level, which which bleeds <laughs> over into happier golf, which you probably hit some better shots because of that. Because happier your atti- wife. Your attitude's better. <laughs> you're not going home kicking the dog, all that stuff. And um, I know it doesn't seem like it, but that's worth a few shots and happiness. Just understanding the expectation levels of, of your game versus – it's kind of cool to think about it versus the best players in the world. It's like – well, I'm not one of the best players in the world. If I'm even close to where they are in these shot patterns, I'm happy. Good. Do yourself a favor. We mentioned the Pell's book. Get that. Read that. Get Mark Brody's book, Strokes Gain, I think. Is that what it's called? Mm, yes. Every Shot Counts. Every Shot Counts. Read that. You will be probably 
super surprised at what the amateur stats are, one, compared to the pros, but two, just what they are from X amount of distance away, especially on the putting green. That, I, was, I was just going back through that uh, the other week looking for one specific stat, and I just started reading the book because there's so much good information in there. And I was like, holy cow, I'd forgotten a lot of this about these. The putting stats are incredible to understand what a scratch golfer does compared to what a tour player does and then what a 10 handicapper does to a scratch golfer. It's like you don't really have a right to get angry yeah, that, wherever your ball goes on it, the golf course. Exactly. That's the thing to take away from this expectation, anger management. It's like, let's not get that upset. Right. You, you know, it's okay to be a little perturbed with yourself. If you just lost focus and made a bad shot, but you know, go, do yourself a favor. Like Mike said, pick up those books that, that uh, every shot counts is actually a really good one. And I think sometimes all you need is a little bit of different thought process in your head and the light bulb might go off. It's like, okay, I got to, relax a little bit out there and you will start playing better golf just just from that i I allow myself to get mad at dumb decisions because that's just which is complete loss of focus and i pulled the trigger and i knew it right but making a good decision and just hitting a bad shot it's like that's that's just golf that's being a human being and not getting to practice as much as the guys we see on tv i mean go watch the tour event What's the guy's missing the cut? Yeah, especially if you're in person. Go follow a guy who's mm-hmm. he's not. I always say that would be a very popular TV show if they broadcast the bottom 25 Yeah, along with the top 25. Let's just see. Like when these guys don't have it dialed in, they're hitting shots that you're hitting. Obviously not as many, probably maybe not as severe at times, but sometimes they're, they're Some hitting shanks. Do. Some guys will shoot four under one day and then nine over the next yeah. day. Shanks, There's big swings. Massive blocks, duck hooks, yep. sky balls. I mean, you see, I've seen tops, yeah. topping balls. Every bad shot, they just hit fewer because they're better yeah, players. But but they're hitting them. Yes. And the fact that they're hitting them lets us all know we can let ourselves off the hook a little bit because yep. even they're hitting terrible shots. So it's kind of a long-winded way, you know, on the course. We talked about making sure you're teeing it up on the correct side of the hole for your shot shape that you're hitting. Learn how to hit out of trouble without hitting the trees. Um like recovery shots in general, pay attention to your alignment a little bit more instead of just mm, haphazard. Huge one, huge one. And um, give yourself the best chance to make the best swing. And in the end, you know, watch your expectation levels. And some of these books can help. You know, help you understand set those expectations yeah. for sure. And, and this, you're going to have more fun playing, and you're going to play better because of it. Mm-hmm. Is that it. That's it. All right. If you guys are enjoying these, uh, please go on iTunes, leave us a five star and a written review. We're trying to help as many golfers as we can, and you can help us do that. 